today's scripture reading is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Tim Householder. If we haven't met, and if we have not met, uh, would you please say hi to me after the service? I'd love to meet you. Uh, introduce yourself. Special welcome to visitors here today. Uh, we are in a series called The Generous Life, but before we get into that, I want to pause and take the time to recognize uh, and thank uh, any veterans that are here worshiping today. So if you are a veteran of the armed forces, would you please stand at this time? We want to recognize you. We thank you for your service uh, to this nation. As we think about the generous life, uh, you men and women uh, were willing to give your very self uh, for the sake of the nation. And we, we, we can't thank you enough. And we honor you uh, and we give you thanks today uh, and on this Veterans Day weekend and through Monday tomorrow. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We are in a series called The Generous Life. And uh, it's a series that's just asking the question, am I a generous person or not? Am I generous with my time? Am I generous with my talents God's given me? Am I generous with my resources, my financial gifts? Uh, am I generous in the life I live? And you can think about it. When you hear the generous life, I would imagine you suddenly have people you know jumping into your head who have blessed you with generosity just by spending time with you or by uh, their generosity of their talents, sharing those with you. Uh, and, and, and even financial gifts, we think of generous people in our lives and the blessings they have been along the way. And scripture challenges us to lead the generous life. It's a calling from God to be, to be abundantly generous with the t gift of time and talents and finances that he's first given us. So last week, we launched a series talking about generosity of time. How do you spend your time? Is it godly time? Is it time where, as King Solomon said, the key to life and le leading a generous life is following God's commandments? And when Jesus was pressed on the issue in the Gospels, what's the greatest commandment? He said, I can sum up, summarize all the laws and the commandments with two. The first is the most important, he said. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love others as you love yourself. The first one is love God. It is square one. Being generous with our time means being connected to our creator, to love God with everything we've got on a daily basis, and then to take that 
abundant source of love and then have it spill over into the lives of those around us. You want to be generous with your time? Scripture says, love God first and foremost and then love other people. And the test question I tossed out to you last week is, is what I'm doing right now loving God and loving others? Because if it's not, I might need to rethink how I'm spending my time. Today, it's your lucky day. We're moving into part two, the generous life and money. Oh, you know, pastors can dream. And I always thought tossing that out there, the, the place is just going to cheer, right? So humor me. Today we're going to talk about money. <laughs> Thank you. That, I really felt that. That was, that was warm and wonderful. But as we do that, I'm thinking of the visitors here today for the first time. And the thinking that all the church wants is your money. And I'll just throw this out there. Uh, I do this once a year, and it's just your lucky day. So out of the 52 weeks that we preach on here at Hallelujah, and there are times when how we're good stewards of our resources comes up now and then in the scriptures, as it often does. But this is, this is the one where we're really focusing on your financial gifts. So no one leave the room screaming, hear me out, because you might just find God at work in your life through the scripture and through the conversation to be a person of generosity to maybe take that next step to maybe take a step that you've never taken before and so I'd like to do that with you by going back to the scripture that we were in today Mark's gospel if you don't have a Bible I'd encourage you to grab one we're gonna go verse by verse through this text together and see what it has in store for us today as we think about the generous life and money and giving Mark is the second gospel of the New Testament, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There were four gospel writers. Gospel translates good news, the good news of Jesus Christ and his teaching and his life and his death and his resurrection, and this is Mark's version of what happened. Chapter 12, as, you're, as, you're, as we're setting this up, a lot of Jesus' teachings were in parables, as you probably might have heard that word. A parable is a it's an earthly story with a god, godly or divine meaning. And he'd often teach in parables. He was the greatest storyteller ever. In this scripture we have for today, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. This is happening in real time. This isn't a parable, but they witness something, and then Jesus uses it as a teaching moment for his disciples. So are you with me? Jesus is in the temple, and he's watching people in the temple. And after seeing something, he's going to use that as a teaching moment with his disciples. So here we go. Chapter 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Pause. Church offerings are not a 20th or 21st century phenomenon. They were happening at the time of Jesus. 2,000 years ago, the community of faith was collecting offerings, okay? 
So turn to someone and say, offering is nothing new. Go ahead and say that to someone right now. Offering is nothing new. It's nothing new. It's been happening since the time of Jesus. And we can rewind the tape centuries before Jesus walked the earth to the Old Testament times where God's people, Israel, the nation chosen by God to be a blessing for all nations, they were bringing offerings. So thousands of years ago, as the people of God gathered to do kingdom work on earth, they were collecting an offering. So this is nothing new. And in case you wonder, why does the church ask for an offering? Well, let's, let's think about that. The second half of verse 41, many rich people threw in large amounts. Now Mark is the Cliff's Notes version of the Gospels. Mark just gives it to you straight. He doesn't spend a lot of time in detail. But one interesting detail here with the rich people giving large amounts of money, oftentimes before they did that, they would blow a trumpet. So imagine the temple and the treasury and people coming in with large sums of offering and the rich people coming in. Before they drop it in, they go, I'm about to give an incredible offering. So I asked the council this morning if we should do that. Should we bring trumpets in here? And we can just get down to it and see what's going on out here, right? Right? Okay, no, I'm kidding. So anyway, but that's what was happening. So keep that in mind in the story. And at the end of 41, many rich people threw in large amounts. So verse 42. Now watch the contrast. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. A few cents. Think about that for one second. How many of you go somewhere and something's two ninety-seven? you give them three bucks, and you, you want the pennies? You often say, no, unless my wife's there, and she's like, yeah, absolutely, give me the pennies. <laughs> Love you, honey, thank you. But that's all it was worth. A few cents. That's all she brought. In the contrast with, boom, my big offering. Now keep in mind the context of the time of Jesus, a very patriarchal society. Women today are leaders, educated, empowered doing wonderful, amazing things in the world. That wasn't the case. In Jesus' day, it was a very patriarchal society. So when you hear a poor widow, it's not just 2018 a poor widow, but there's still hope and opportunity to, to, to recover from the death of a spouse, to, to move along, to better yourself. To, th this, is, this is the time of Jesus. This meant, that's it. You've been, your source of survival, and, and you know, that's it poor widow came, put in the small copper coins. Now, here's a teaching moment, verse 43. Calling his disciples, his followers, to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Now, one of his disciples, probably the tax collector, who Jesus called to follow him, was probably thinking, uh, Jesus, you're not really good at math, you probably aren't the best accountant, Okay? Jesus, uh, if you just said the woman who put in a couple of copper, uh, a couple of small coins that's worth a few cents, if you think that's better than all the boom, uh, we need to talk about your math skills, Jesus. Because if you're saying she put in more than everyone else, 
uh, I think you're off. But why did he say what he said? Well, he answers. Verse 44. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty. But in, put in, she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. This widow, Jesus, is telling us models the generous life. This widow models the generous life. She came. She came to the temple, and that's all she had. And she gave it. What can we learn from her? Why did Jesus say that? What is at the heart of his message that she gave more than everyone else combined? That doesn't add up mathematically, but there must be something going on at a, at a higher level. There must be something more profoundly involved here in what Jesus is trying to express. And I thought of a couple, three things that we might think about today when it comes to the generous life and financial giving. The first thing is it's sacrificial. Everyone say sacrificial. And I wrote after that, I put God was the first giver. Look at the earth. Look at that blue marble that spins in its orbit in our solar system. That is a gift from God. The fact that you're planting on it and spinning through space, that is a gift from God. Everyone take in a deep breath right now. Let it out. That was a gift from God. Every breath you take is a gift of life from God. God gave us creation. He put it all in place, and then he said, all right, it's all set up now for my most precious possession, and that most precious possession, creation, is you. You are God's most precious creation. What a gift. The first giver was the gift of creation. All the wonderful things of life we get to embrace and, and, and be a part of life and love and all of the things God uh, calls us to. And then, as you see, it's not just the first giver was God, the most generous giver. As if the world, as if life, as if your next breath, your next heartbeat wasn't good enough to think about as, as generous. He ups the bar by giving his son to you and me. The most generous gift in the history of humankind that saves us from sin and death. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he what? He what? He gave. God so loved the world, he what? He gave. God is the first giver and the most generous giver. He gives us the gift of his son. And on the cross, we, by faith in him as our Lord and saviors, he saves us from our daily sins. He saves us from death itself. And we live in the promise of eternal life. Think about that gift for one second. God is not only the first giver in the gift of creation, he's the most generous giver because he has given us the gift of his son. And we live in the promise of eternal life. We cannot save ourselves from death. But whoever believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. That is God's promise. What a gift. And that's the gift we live in as believers in Jesus Christ. Generous life giving is sacrificial. It was with the widow in the temple, 
And God calls us to do that with our finances. And sometimes as a pastor, I have to stir you and challenge you. I think that's part of my calling. It's not to just let you be complacent and let you just sort of go through the motions, but to challenge you. And so as you think about giving your financial gifts to the church, I have to ask you this question. Is your giving to Alleluia sacrificial or not? Is it sacrificial? I can stand here and Kathy could join me and we could stand here and I could tell you from the depths of my heart that our giving to this church is sacrificial. There's a lot we could be doing with our offerings by spending it on other things. But part of our giving, part of the generous life is to give sacrificially. Sometimes I kind of have to just sort of catch myself and take in a deep breath when I ponder the thought of this faith community all giving sacrificially to this church and what that would mean collectively, what that would mean for the annual budget. And I want to stir you and challenge you to think about that because who are you in the gospel today? Are you the rich people giving out of your abundance? Which is great. Jesus never said that's bad. Neither am I. Or do you relate to the widow who's giving sacrificially? Or are you somewhere in the middle, but on a path to greater generosity? The first thing about generous life, financial giving in our lives is that it's sacrificial. If it's not, how generous is it really? Let's go to the next thing about generous life, financial giving. It's from the heart. God's ledger measures the heart more than the amount. Jesus did. He said, those two, those two coins, that's worth more than everything all the rich people put in together. Why? Because it came from where? Her what? Her heart. She gave her whole self. She brought everything she had. She said, here, God, it's reckless, abandonment. It's like crazy giving. I wouldn't give anyone that financial advice, would you? you got to save a little something for yourself. But she trusted God so much. She said, God's going to provide for me. Here, I've given you everything i got. And I know if I give God that sacrificial gift, he's going to provide. It's from the heart. God's ledger doesn't put the amount in. But he has a place in his ledger for where your heart is when you give what you give. And you don't have to ever answer to your church or your pastor but you may have to have that conversation with God. God, in your ledger of my gifts, is it, is it from my heart? Or is it from a place of abundance? And that's a great question. Let me give you a few examples. First, let's put the text up here that Jesus reminds us. This is a great verse from Matthew 6, 21. I know it's a bright day today, but if you can see the words, if you want to read it with me out loud, here we go. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What do I think Jesus is trying to teach us here? Where your money goes, your heart follows. Examples. My heart's with McDonald's right now. You know the McRib is out right now? The McRib. Can I get an amen for the McRib? 
No? <laughs> it's only out a little time every year, and i got to be honest with you. I've, I've limited myself this year. I'm proud of myself, but I have indulged. And so part of my treasure is at McDonald's because that's where my heart is with the McRib. Make no mistake about it. But getting all serious, my heart's with my kids. My heart's with my kids. And parents, you know this as well as I do. Your love for your kids is a deep and profound thing. I might consider suggesting it's a holy thing. Because it begins with our Creator's love for us, and then we try to pour that into the lives of our kids. That love we have for our kids is deep and powerful. And i got to be honest with you, every time we spend money on them, my treasure's with my kids, and my heart follows. My heart's with them. Where your treasure is, Jesus, so your heart will follow. I just wrote another trimester tuition check to Augustana. My heart's at Augustana right now, let me tell you. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when we give our financial gifts to our church, when we give our financial gifts to our church, our heart follows. You know, I want to ask you the question, is your heart at Hallelujah? Is your heart here? Because our stewardship leaders in the area of financial giving, their heart is all in here. They give because they believe in God's kingdom work through this church. They, they give their stewardship leaders here because they've seen it in their own lives and in the lives of people around them. They've seen it when they gather with their connect group and they, they visit and do life with the people around them. They've seen it in the lives of their kids who've been raised in this church. And the gospels grab, grab their hearts. They've, they've seen it in the lives of this amazing community of faith. And so where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there. And then to contrast that, as an example, we're a turnover community. This is a great area, but empty nesters have to make that tough choice. Do we stay or do we move along? And it's, the church is just starting to turn over that. And people have to make, and we've lost empty nesters and they've moved away but we've lost empty nesters who've not because their heart's not here. Their kids come through. They get confirmed or whatever. And, all right, no more financial gifts for hallelujah because our heart's not there. But the leaders who give from their heart sacrificially here, the leaders here, their heart's here. Their treasure's here in their giving because their heart is here. So I have to ask another sort of uncomfortable question. Is your heart here? Is your heart here? Do you believe in our mission? Do you believe in the kingdom work that's happening here? Because your treasure will follow. Let's wrap up with the third thing this morning. The generous life, uh, financial giving is sacrificial from the heart, but it's also life-changing. It's life-changing. It's life-changing for the people we give uh, generously to and sacrificially to to change their lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it also changes our lives. Those of you who've given generously and you've seen it change lives around you, 
You know what I'm talking about. It changes their life, certainly, but what is the impact on your faith and your heart and your relationship with God when you believe your giving is life-changing? So let me ask you a third question then. Do you believe when you give a dollar of your offering to this church that your financial gifts change lives? I'm going to let that sit there with you. And uh, I'm going to bring out a whiteboard. I don't do this very often, but I'm going to do it now. Come on, whiteboard. Roll with me. Here we go. And I'm going to suggest there is something in life called the kingdom of earth. I have a kingdom and so do you. And it's in this world. Make no mistake about it. I am King Tim. I have a castle. I live in that castle with Queen Catherine, Prince AJ, and Princess Lauren. She is a princess. And it's our kingdom. It's our house. It's our community, it's our schools, my job, my friends, my neighbors, it's my kingdom. And you have a kingdom, and you have a kingdom, and your kingdom sort of merges with mine sometimes. Our kids go to the same school, or they play on the same team, or, 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 or you work together somewhere. Kingdoms come together. And as and as we think about the lives we live in this kingdom of earth that we have in our own little kingdoms, and they're all part of this earth, I want to ask the question, how's this going, the kingdom of earth right now? How's this going right now? Anyone else concerned? The brokenness of this kingdom? The acts of violence? Threats of war? brokenness in our own homes and community, the way we no longer value human life. Think about this kingdom. How's it going? Scripture's hope and promise is there's another kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God. And I want to talk to you for a quick second about the Lord's Prayer. We say it every, almost every service we're here, we say the Lord's Prayer. We say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's the next line? Thy kingdom come, or your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Do we know what we're praying? We say, your kingdom come on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. God, your kingdom come. We're praying for that. And when we're generous with our time and we're generous with our finances, we're fueling that kingdom work on earth. We're praying the prayer. Are we living it out? Your kingdom come. Up here is coming down here. Lord, up here is coming down here. We want your kingdom here on earth. We want your kingdom to rule and reign. We want you to come down. Lord, erase the barrier. Erase the line.
And when we think about generous life, financial giving, when we give to the kingdom, whether it's Alleluia or whatever uh, Christian organization you're giving to, you're praying this prayer, your kingdom come. Up here is coming down here. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Erase the lines. Make it happen. Give generously to that mission in the world. Back the Lord's prayer with your generosity. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I want to um, have you look at a few images as we close about the impact, the life-changing impact you have on people's lives when the church rises up together, when we give collectively, when we give of ourselves and our time and our finances. Thy kingdom come, changing one life at a time, changing one life with the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died on a cross for the sins of the world. Is that worth backing financially or not? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let's finish with a scripture from Proverbs we looked at last week. Bible teaches, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be what? Those of you who give generously already know that. Those of you on the path to generosity, our prayer is you would experience that. That incredible, profound, joy of being generous with your time and your talents and yes your financial resources hallelujah as i mentioned earlier things turn over families come and go you know this is a transient area but this church remains and is thriving and this church needs new stewardship leaders to step up to the plate. This church needs more people to be more like the widow. This church is relying on too few families to carry the load financially. And we are a community of abundance. We need to make choices. I want to challenge you and stir you to rise up. I can't wait to see who the new stewardship leaders are in the area of finance here. I can't wait to see God move you and stir your heart. Because collectively, what we bring together is what we have for ministry. We're not a denomination that has a parent denomination funneling money to us every dime we spend is a dime you give. We're as great as you make us with your gifts. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Your kingdom come. May we pray. Gracious God, stir us to be generous with our whole selves. And part of that self, Lord, are our financial gifts for your kingdom work. Lord, thank you for the 
gift of creation, the gift of your son, and the gift of this community of faith. Lord, I thank you as one of the pastors of this church for the generosity of this amazing congregation. Lord, stir us to even greater giving. Stir us to be about your work in the world. Stir us to a life of generosity. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said together, amen.